0: Good day, fellow investors. Welcome to the Modern Value Investing Podcast with Sven Karlin, where we compound investment returns as well as investment knowledge in order to help you achieve your financial goals. Good day, fellow investors. When Seth Klarman speaks, we listen. A few days ago, I saw this interview, recent interview 2022 for the Harvard Business School on YouTube. I quickly went to look at it immediately downloaded it because I had the sense that it will be copyrighted away and removed from YouTube. That's exactly what happened. So I can't give you the link to the interview, but I summarized the one hour, 15 minute long video in... 10 cluster topics. There were about 15 questions and I really, really hope you will enjoy this video because Seth Klarman was dropping value investing bombs. Now, let me just give you a quick interview on who Seth Klarman is. He founded the Baupost Group in 1982 and has been averaging around 20% since 1982 per year, which makes him second in line to the throne after Warren Buffett. So really, in the Hall of Fame of Investing He's also called the Oracle of Boston, and he wrote the book, Margin of Safety, that you can buy on Amazon for a few thousand bucks. If you want to support this channel, you can always buy that book by clicking on the link in the description below. Anyway, let's start with the 10 topics that Seth Klarman covers related from the current market to investing, to human psychology, which is the key when it comes to investing. I've written these notes, and I'll go through through these notes and I'll try to keep it as a podcast so that you can also multitask while you listen to the summary of the interview. If you get value from this, if you like value investing, please smash that like button and consider subscribing if you haven't. Let's immediately start with the first question topic. What do you see in the world now? So what are the key factors that Z. Klarman is focused on when it comes to investing? The key factors are low interest rates. Interest rates now going higher after decades of lower and lower interest rates. And he says that interest rates should go even higher. So when interest rates go higher, that should jolt the system because people are not used to higher interest rates. And therefore, it will be a big shock for all of those that have derivatives and anyone who has been taking risk to their portfolio with zero interest rates, there is no risk because you can borrow for free. But if you have taken that risk and then interest rates change, then you are in trouble. Interest rates have been going down for the last 40 years. So the federal funds effective rate was, 20% in 1981, 1982, and then it has been going nothing but down as the debt cycle, the long-term debt cycle goes slowly, slowly bust. And now there is no opportunity here to work on those interest rates and at some point those have to go higher because of inflation and talking about that the fed has to tighten more than people would like of course nobody likes higher interest rates because it lowers the valuation everything becomes more expensive and higher inflation is a challenge now because you cannot keep interest rates as low forever and then low interest rates, zero interest rates created one of the most expensive Stock markets ever. Many people are still sitting on great gains, but there is also a lot of pain as some stocks, apart from the top great stocks, are down 50, 60, or even 70% around various classes. And then he mentions the specs and how the inflows and outflows drove that. You can check my video from February 2021, Peak Arc, where I discuss that I'll put the link in the description below too. Then further, he discusses a big issue I see in the States also. He discusses the divide in society and how people see different versions of the news depending on the channel they follow. So something very interesting from a social perspective. Of course, he condemns the war in Ukraine, how that is totally insane. And then a comment on tech, whether it is, huge disruption or disadvantage, he discusses how it is normal that technology improves, but that also we are inventive to adapt and create new value from technologies, not really job disruption. And my comment here quickly, this is all that we have been discussing here on the channel. So lower interest rates, inflation coming. So all pretty well shared here. So we have been spot on. what Seth Klarman is also thinking about the market. Let's continue. The next topic is related to inflation and human ingenuity pushing inflation lower. So maybe the question is, can we live in a low interest rate world forever? And his quote is how inflation went from business page news to kitchen table reality. and the question was, what does that mean? And then Seth Klarman explains how the Fed has been underperforming on the inflation target, food prices were declining, energy prices were constantly subdued and how that created a bad environment because people always look towards the past to expect things in the future and inflation is now different than what we had. Some of it is yes, supply chain issues but the trillions handed out created a surge for the economy and probably overheated it. Plus we have full natural unemployment, you can't get lower. Thus, overheating is normal. Then he also comments how he thinks that inflation is not studied well enough and how also the Fed doesn't understand it as they should do. And then also, as a value investor, he always says, always look at both sides of the ledger because Focus on one thing, but also look at the best arguments against. And then he mentions economist Rosenberg, how he says inflation is coming way back down, how the current 9 to 10% will be reversed in less than a year because changing prices reduces demand and that slows the economy, brings prices lower. But then again, Larry Summers, on the other hand, says how inflation will get worse. Price increases are the new normal labor contracts issue, etc., etc. And then further the same topic is betting on inflation, betting against human ingenuity. Seth Klarman says that humans will always be ingenious as long as not over taxes. Because maybe job destruction is just in the short term, but long term, especially in the United States, don't mess with the golden goose, the technology development that, that all brought to the US. The taxes, on taxes, he says that we should be happy to pay a price for the well-being we have, he doesn't understand, like Charlie Munger, like all other value investors, the obsession with lower taxes. It's okay to pay taxes and focus on other things in life. Now, further on the macro, on the Fed and interest rates and debt, he says that some rates increases are priced in, but he doesn't think the Fed will have the guts to increase interest rates in a slowing economy, which should, as inflation will slow the economy, the absence of stimulus that we had in 2021 will also slow in the economy. That might lead to a recession. And raising rates into a slowing economy would mean melting down financial markets. Few have the courage of a Volcker to do that. He did that in the 1980s. 2018, the Fed tried to taper. The market dropped 15% and the Fed chickened out. So the Fed is way behind the curve of interest rates and inflation and will likely be indefinitely because lowering that in real terms looks like not the option. And then letting inflation fly will take a price on American people. But what's the issue there is that the Fed will likely chicken out on the stock market declines, recession and everything. And then we have seen now the Greenspan put, Bernanke, Yellen, Powell put. And the market also believes that there will be a Fed put. Plus, He says that they don't really know what they are doing in a deep way. It's all a giant experiment with the money printing and interest rates. And we are at the mercy of their experiment that maybe is right now in the process of going wrong. So Seth Klarman says, God help us. So very, very deep words here, harsh words, because that is the truth. We don't know, and not even the Fed Knows what they are doing. We do not know the consequences of the last 10 years of low interest rates that will be seen 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And that is a given. Seth Klarman cl- clearly understands that that it is an experiment. So the outcomes are very, very good. And only those who live will see what happens. So you can't be smart, but you have to think as a value investor, whatever happens, I should end up okay. That's always the core of value investing. This leads to the following question. Is US and will the US remain a safe haven and the power of the dollar as a global currency, of course? He says that the US has always been on the brink, but that it was much worse in the 1930s. And then always think of nostalgia, always looks better in the past, but these are great times and better than those were in the 1950s with the racism and everything. So the U.S. has some remarkable things the software, the core DNA of the country, a liberal democracy, a great legal system, great engines of prosperity, venture capitalists, Silicon Valley, Boston, Philly, world-class educations. But there are problems too. Short-term political system, low infrastructure investment, human rights issues. So those are the problems, but is still the tallest currency, and unlikely to change soon. It's hard to imagine Chinese or crypto to take the place of the dollar from a global perspective. Plus, the euro As we discussed in other videos, the euro is an experiment. There is no money cloud behind it, no adjusting mechanism. Japan has severe problems. Demographics, for example, the Swiss franc is too small. So there is no alternative to the US dollar. And he doesn't see that world changing. I also agree, never bet against America. You can bet on different things, but I also would not bet against, would not go short the dollar. So that's also something to keep in mind as an investor, long-term tailwinds protection, etc. So that's one positive also, no matter how ugly it might look now. And now from the macro, let's switch a little bit to investing. The question is, are markets efficient or not? And then how to spot those inefficiencies. And then, of course, Seth Klarman relates us to the super investors of Graham and Doddsville, an article Warren Buffett wrote in 1984. I made this video on that, so you can click that for a video summary because it's the core of the basis of value investing. And if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you will enjoy it. And then he says how the core principles of value investing is buying a dollar for 50 cents, That's value investing. And if you have an efficient market, you can't do that, of course. On the efficient market theory, it is an elegant theory, but it is not applicable in practice because behavioral economics and finance have a huge impact on the markets. We respond weirdly with our actions. We respond weirdly to what's going on. For example, there is anchoring. He promotes the book, thinking... Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman and also discusses anchoring. So if you invest in something, it goes down. You want to get your money back. That is the first behavioral principle that, for example, then skews also the markets. And then also behavioral principle that we remember better the things that happened recently. For example, pandemics, Those don't happen that often, but the fear has increased now for the next pandemic, even if the statistical probability of the next pandemic, now that everyone is prepared, is lower. The same with 9-11. Everyone was afraid, including Seth Klarman, that there will be hit again, but it didn't happen as security increased. So that's also something to think about. And from a market perspective, we are now in a 12 year bull market. Now, not anymore, but Everyone expects always stocks to go up because that's the most recent feedback to our mind. And few really expect how ugly it can get if we see 1970s scenarios where stocks don't go anywhere for 15 years. And the key is, if that happens, to manage your own psychology, to find your own flaws, the greed and the panic and therefore markets are not efficient because the market works on greed on panic there are no zero trading costs and risk is not just volatility let's think about how things really work says Seth Klarman. and when we think about how things really work panicking when something goes down, thinking about your pension, about your life savings destroyed, etc. That impacts your decision making. Therefore, markets are not efficient. And if we think like that, then we might have a chance to find inefficiencies in the market. And this is also something that is core to value investing and also that we can dig deeper here. If your stock goes down 70%, Very, very few of you say, oh, it's just going down 70%. That's normal market volatility. That's the efficient market. The market is pricing in higher interest rates and you continue with your life. If your portfolio goes down 70%, you are in utter desperation, panic, and likely you have capitulated. No matter how good you feel now about it, when it happens, trust me, you will be hit hard mentally and, like many do, sell at 50% to prevent it going even lower. That's something that makes the market completely irrational. And then on where to find those inefficiencies, the question to Seth Klarman is, what is his circle of competence? What are you a specialist in? And how how do you go about those opportunities? So, he says that edges as an investor, you can have deep fundamental knowledge like doctors or medical researchers in biotech. but most inefficiencies are based on human nature, greed and fear, panic, margin calls, client redemptions that force you to sell something you like at a lower price. So when you're forced, that creates, again, inefficiencies in the market. Thus, the market is not efficient. There are other constraints. So one asset, last asset phenomenon. So when uh, he's talking here about companies that are investment vehicles, and when they buy something, then they sell it. And when they have the last assets to sell, they sell those assets at whatever price to get paid to start up the next fund, for example. So it is an imperfect world. Another perfect example is when a bond gets downgraded, there is a rush to the exits. Pension funds usually can't hold junk bonds, thus it makes it cheap. Just the rating and they Sell the bond, no change in information, no change in everything. Just when the rating comes out, the bond goes 20 points lower due to the huge selling. The rating of a 26 year old at Moody's. So much about market efficiency. Then of course, when you find such inefficiencies, you have to do the fundamental work and dig deep. And that's their approach. They look it from a mile wide everything they can possibly figure out, something that seems good, then you dig a mile deep. So that's the approach, because you want to avoid the silo effect, again mentioned in Kahneman's book, just know, just knowing something very well leads to a hammer and nail problem. You have no perspective, no perspective of other opportunities, and best in your circle of competence might be worse than something else. So look for cracks in the markets, cracks in liquidity. there where There is lack of competition. And I completely agree with Seth Klarman. I don't focus on a country or a special sector. We try to look at value a mile wide, and when there are sensations that there is value here or there, then you dig deep, like I did for copper miners, where I'm looking at all of them to find the few that fit my personal risk and reward. When the right time for miners comes, then there will be something else, something else, and that's value investing. You have to be pretty broad and then you can find those opportunities. Then, great question on the difference between bias and noise. And just a note here, you might feel that it is a lot of about psychology, but at the end, investing is all about psychology. Everybody has the numbers, but it is about your stomach, how Peter Lynch says, or about your emotions, how Seth Klarman says everything is based on how you perceive things and how you understand the behavior of others in the market everywhere. That's what drives the markets. Our behavior drives spending, drives the economy, drives interest rates, inflation. And therefore, we have to understand that we are people. Understanding people is the key to investing. And therefore, I really like the questions of the interviewer discussing really psychology first as a basis of value investing, not price to earnings or price to book ratios. Let's continue. So again, mentioning Kahneman's book. So bias, for example, every shot is up to the right if you shoot with a gun. If the shots are all scattered, that can be noise. And then always think of your own thinking. For example, discussing the story of judges before lunchtime, they're cranky and you better don't want to be judged before they had their lunch. After lunch, you're likely get a better sentence. And the market, again, is pricing in that we make the same decision with the same information, which is totally false. We make different decisions in Ju- July, January, up or down market. The fund is up or down. Your portfolio is up or down. Is it Friday or Monday? Clients yelling at you because they need cash or you have too much Cache. The core is to filter out the noise for the useful information. And then he read an article, a great article on the constitution of knowledge that we should have all an agreement on how to accumulate facts. Maybe one day the goal, of course, for society is to make it great for everybody, because as Warren Buffett says, you don't know who you're going to be when you are born. So better focus on making it great for all. Now, the current investment focus, the question was that many stocks are 50% or even lower. What should we be focused on? Now, return on capital or full return of our Capital. And then Seth Klarman again discusses human psychology that most people are tilted to be bullish. Nothing wrong with that, except that at times people don't think about the downside. The core of value investing is thinking about the downside. Therefore, you need to have a balanced approach. Finding a margin of safety, you have to buy at a discount so that you leave room for error, misjudgment, bad luck, because things happen in life. As Warren Buffett says also from the Columbia paper, build a bridge to handle five times the weight. And that's what you should do also with an investment. Invest there that whatever happens, you can handle it, that it can be handled, that it can't go Lower, never lose sight of the downside. Flashy growth stocks at high multiples, that's always the bullish, the greed. And as a value investor, you're happy with less upside to protect the downside. And for example, a way to invest in these growth stocks so when those stocks are rocketing to new highs, you can always, of course, if you're Klarman or Buffett buy the convertible stocks so you get protection on the downside and equity upside. And that, of course, only if the asset has absolute value. And maybe if you look at Berkshire's portfolio, there is this crazy stock there, Restoration Hardware, that Berkshire is invested. Buffett never commented on it, but they have been issuing a lot of preferred shares where you don't have downside risk or pretty much it's only risk if the company goes bankrupt but you have the equity upside. So that might be the reason, like Seth Klarman says, that also Berkshire invested in such a growth crazy stock. So his protection is solid preferred investments. Never pick growth or risk. Always remember both. And that's something I also have to work on. Maybe waiting before buying for the absolute bottoms for more margin of safety. That's something I have to work on too. And therefore, it's always a good reminder to listen to Seth Klarman. Further, between getting your capital back and trying to making a return, always pick getting back your capital because losing money is a real challenge. Very hard to make it back. Losses, redemptions if you're a hedge fund, margin calls, other debt, risk making you blow up. And if you blow up, there is no going back. Think about the downside. And that's something he says that nobody thinks about it with 40 years of lower rates. There are several generations that haven't ever seen downside because if you don't focus on downside, then you avoid the power of compounding. And he clearly says how Buffett, when he was 65, he had $3 billion, and now he's at $130 billion at age 90. So he never tried to make the most money. He never tried to get rich quick, and he tried just to get rich slow. Stay away of the flashy and focus on not losing big. He also here criticizes academia and endowment portfolios because of the implementation of the idea that you need to take more risk to get more return. And we see now that destruction of private equity and everything with pension funds because risk isn't just the volatility of the business, risk has a lot to do with what you pay. Risk is a function of the price you pay, of course. Now, also further on opportunities, every stock is a potential buy at one price, hold it at another price, and sell at a higher price. So, risk depends on price. And then he also read an article in Wall Street how someone is discussing he has to take more risk in the portfolio because of the lower returns. And that's actually wrong because when you focus on risk, you automatically allow the returns to happen. So, But if you focus on risk, you will definitely get the risk, but you might not get the return. That's core value investing avoid the risk, protect the downside, then you will get the return. There is no way around it. Why don't more people do it? Because they discuss it. People don't get it. It's maybe genetic. Maybe you are born with it to be a value investor. Likely, if you're listening this long into this video, you are likely a value investor. So congratulations on that. You need to get long-term thinking, being patient to get rich slow. It is like an aniquilation. It either works or it doesn't. Value investing is the holy grail. You get it immediately or it isn't. Depends on the person and it might be genetic. Now, on the undervalued asset classes, he says that he is bottom-up investing, so stocks And if he would advise where to invest, look at stocks at reasonable prices, just below the top names, look up holdings of great portfolios, he's holdings. We made this video on Seth Klarman's 2021 ending portfolio. You can check that for ideas and tomorrow we'll also discuss some of his ideas. And then he says that there are stocks trading at 10, 11 times earnings. So solid high single digit growth, nothing bad with that lightly leveraged balance sheet too minimize the risks. There are also inefficiencies in private markets, but that's not for us retailers. And then the question on time and how that impacted him as an investor. So he says that he Now, probably things have gotten harder as there is more variability. Innovation technology is changing the investment world. Once value investing was just about mean reversion, buying a dollar for 50 cents and waiting it to get back to a dollar. Today, things might not be mean reverting because of tech disruption. So always be intellectually honest, be self-critical, keep trying to get better every single day, study, read, always look to get smart and wiser. Just a question on uh, whether he would pick Seth Klarman, a man, or the algorithm. He says that he would always pick the man because, again, the algorithm can only be programmed as far as it can be, but the investable universe is too wide to just program it because everything always changes and he prefers the human. Then also on the culture, how to lie for divergent views, always look for the against argument we discussed that so that's something very important and always think when you enter the room do you change the room what is being discussed how it is being discussed and then If we buy something, he says, for his company, it goes down. If nothing fundamentally different, it is a better bargain. And some of his workers suggested the bond of 80, 70, 60. They just kept buying more. At 16, they bought more because it was simply cheaper and better. Of course, if he would have been wrong. They would have stopped buying. On crypto, he says that he thought it was crazy when he first heard about He has absolutely no involvement, but that the blockchain technology is very, very interesting. It might be a better software platform for many things, saying that the value of Bitcoin is in the blockchain. But the crypto itself, with many people forming funds, he sees that many people are focused on Bitcoin replacing money and gold, which is unlikely because gold has been accepted for thousands of years. Gold is money in China, in India. So it has, of course, flaws, but it is valuable in a crisis if the world turns to hell but he hopes that it may never come to that. He doesn't see the point of crypto. Yes, there is a point. The point of a currency is to make things easier, but there are te- hundreds of thousands of cryptos and you never know. And he says that it is likely catnip for techies. And why would it hold any particular value? Why do people need 15 different cryptocurrencies? The government will try to regulate it. You don't need more than one currency in your wallet, which is the U.S. dollar. What's the point of diluting your own currency? And then he says he has no involvement. And as an observer, he says that using more energy than Iceland to solve futile math problems doesn't look smart. So that's something that we agree on crypto. Plus, there are disappearing little bank accounts, flaws, etc. So uh, again, he says that most of these stories will end up in tears and better to stay away. I hope you enjoyed this Seth Klarman interview. Unfortunately, the full interview is on copyright, so can't be shared. But immense great value i really enjoyed the interview i hope you enjoyed this summary thanks for listening if you have any comments please let me know if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a five-star review as it means a lot to me thank you and i'll be speaking to you in the next episode